welcome to Songwriters Unblocked. With new episodes released weekly, the show is an in-depth exploration of the songwriting process. I interview writers from all genres and backgrounds, and we have conversations on the ins and outs of inspiration, effective storytelling, overcoming writer's block, and more. From the nuts and bolts of songwriting theory to the emotional side of putting your hopes and fears out into the world, I go deep with each one of my guests to uncover what it means to be a songwriter. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the episode. Singer-songwriter JL channels an intense inner darkness through her music. With an enchanting and illustrative honesty, she explores hauntingly personal and taboo subjects shamelessly. Currently LA-based, JL is adding a fresh voice to pop with captivating hooks and clever lyrical themes. A short list of her influences include Eshniko, Fletcher, Halsey, Maggie Rogers, Paramore, and Taylor Swift. She is currently working primarily on songwriting for and with other artists such as Yena, Drew Lewis, Saranda, and more. Fierce and feminine, the siren is a force to be reckoned with. Hi, JL. Welcome to Songwriters Unblocked. Hi, Sierra. How are you? Doing good. How are you? Good, good. So the first question that I ask everybody is, what was the first song you ever wrote? So that's a complicated question. And I've been thinking about it because you told me this was going to be your first question. And I've been like, my brain has been spinning because I was so the kid that would make up like random songs like about doing dishes or like laundry. Um, My mom says the first thing I ever did was like start making up songs like as a kid, like even before I talked, I would like sing little songs to myself. So I don't know. I I can't really think of like the very first song that I actually wrote because like all through elementary school, like I would like write little poems that I would make little songs to. I did like a few like songs and like talent shows and stuff in elementary school, but I don't know if I have like a specific song that I remember sitting down and being like, this is the first song. I think it kind of just like turned into fuller songs from like small ones, if that makes sense. Slowly it evolved into something (laughs) more like a song. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Do you remember the first like full complete song that you wrote or one of the first ones? One of the, um, I don't know if I can remember like probably the first one, but I do know there was one, the mo- the earliest one I remember, like as a song that I wrote, I remember it in my head, um, is I did it for my eighth grade talent show. It was called Compromised, which is, it was, I was all drama, but it was about <laughs> like, I think this guy that I texted and I thought I was in love with him. And then I think he like stopped texting me or something and he went to a different school and I like had a mental breakdown about it. And I was like, it was some, something like my heart's been compromised or something like that. But there's like a really terrible video. Actually, I should not say this because then people are going to find it, but there's a really horrible video of me singing it in my talent show on the internet um and it's it's really bad not just because the song is cringy but also because I had like uh can I speak to your manager haircut and I was also wearing like a pencil skirt I just don't know what was going on in eighth grade but um yeah so that's the first song I remember I love it I love it I feel like we all have similar stories to that like (laughs) eighth grade talent show vibes or mine was eighth grade seventh and eighth grade choir concerts um you could audition for um like a solo spot and then you could Mm -hmm. play whatever you wanted and my friend and I at the time were uh we were writing songs and she was she was going through a lot and I wasn't but they ended up being like this weird combination of like super dark and really happy simultaneously. So it was a very conflicting, I think conflicting <laughs> duo for a lot of like people. Like 21 Pilots <laughs> moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, everybody uh, low-key go look up JL's video from middle oh school. God, please don't <laughs> actually know. Well, if you do, just like don't tell me you saw it. Don't, don't I'm say anything. Gonna, yeah. yeah, don't say nothing, please. <laughs> 
It's very, very humbling. Like if I ever am like too big for my britches, you know, I think like that's the answer is for me to just go and watch this horrible video of me from eighth grade. Mm-hmm. The pencil skirt, the haircut, all of it. I love <laughs> it. it. All works but hey, we, have, just... we had to start somewhere, right? Right. Exactly. Um, so speaking of starting somewhere, now, I mean, you're in a completely different place. No more, no more haircut. You've got pink hair. You're living your best life. How did your songwriting evolve from that very first song to where you are now? Um, I think with life experience just comes more perspective And I feel like when you're young writing anything, whether it be music or poetry or um, stories, you know, you have such a limited view of things and a lot of it is it's mimicry, right? You know, it's like you're essentially emulating, you know, stories that you've been told by other people or emotions that you've seen on TV or read in books because like, I don't know, nobody's really been in love in eighth grade. You know what I mean? But I think like as you, as you grow up and experience more things, like you're able to relate to more people and more situations. And I think it just makes you a better writer because like, I think writing is so much about empathy and being able to put yourself in the shoes of other people and um, make it, make your perspective accessible to other people in that way as well. And so I think, you know, I'm a better writer because I've lived more. And um, I think that's a big part of it. So true. All of these experiences and insights and uh, perspective shifts that we have naturally as we grow up and get older naturally inform our our songs and the things that we write about and the way that we write about things. Like I feel like the last year or two, I've grown a lot as a person and that's a hundred percent been reflected in the the things I choose to write about and the way that I go about approaching topics. Yeah. I mean, I think even like the kind of symbolism and metaphors and figurative language you use, like Uh, like for me, like have definitely matured, like as I've gotten older, I think it's so much about flexing a muscle too. The more you do something, the better you get at it. So I think just, you know, all of that comes together to like have a mature, a more mature sound, I think. Definitely. It's totally a muscle. And a lot of songwriting, you know, there, there is like an inspiration and an experience um, component to it, you know, like the topic, like what are you going to write about? How are you going to write? But then there's also the craft of it and just through practice and repetition and learning different tools or techniques to um, get this song out <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. is also a part of that growth process. So, you know, the first time, I don't know, you learn any skill, whether it's like riding a bike or going to the gym or like anything that's kind of, you know, repetitive and um, maybe has a number of components to it. The more that you do it, the more you're going to discover what works for you and interesting ways into it. Maybe riding a bike is a bit too simple for that, but you get the idea. No, I know exactly what you mean. I, I think like, yeah, I think you can relate it I'm trying to think of what would be a good metaphor for that, but like, I don't know, maybe like, I mean, I know nothing about engineering, so this might just be like really far-fetched, but I'm imagining that, you know, the first machine you build is pretty like basic, you know, it's probably only going to have a few different components that work together, but you know, oh, I built this thing that does this one thing. But then over time you build more and more complicated stuff and add more and more parts. And then you're able, you know, there's more functions to that machine you build. I don't know. I'm acting like I did robotics and I just (laughs) have no reference for this at all, but I think it sounds right. It sounds, (laughs) yeah, to us, right? Yeah. Um, (laughs) But um, I think songwriting is very much the same way where like, 
you know, in the beginning, like, it's just, okay, well, I think it's got to have, you know, a few different parts with a melody and like maybe a chord or two and then, you know, some words and then you rhyme all of the things that, you know, first come to mind. But Mm -hmm. then like as you, you know, learn more, like you can start playing with rhyme scheme and rhythm and like you learn like fundamental stuff like the rule of twos and like um, you just build more and more like you know, your chordal structures get more, um, get more complex and, you know, there's just more you can do. Like you, once you learn all of the rules, then you can start breaking them intentionally and like playing with different components to get different sounds and, um, create different vibes. And I think like as a songwriter, like so much of progressing is just learning how, to do the same thing over and over again, completely different every time. Absolutely. That's so true. It's, it also has to do with the music that you've heard, like your bank mm-hmm. of references expands as you get older and hundred percent. you listen to more music and you listen to different genres of music. Like maybe when you're a kid, you're listening to your parents' music or you're listening to the music mm-hmm. that your friends, you know, in middle school think is cool or whatever it may be. But as you grow, you naturally find your own, like what you like and mm-hmm. begin to build your own bank of of music to pull from and to reference and i think that is really important cuz if you know so so much of music is just putting in a different order and in a different way things that people have already done cuz you know there are only so many notes there are only so many ways to organize those notes only so many words mm-hmm. in the english language only so many ways to talk about love you know but there are, at the same time are so many ways to do all of that because as right. you continue to reference, you know, across um, genres or artists or, you know, pulling inspiration from different writers, you build your own voice through all of those, um, from all of that, you know, piecing and pulling from these different parts of your experience. Absolutely. I think the other thing too is I've had so many people. I am very much the kind of person where like anything that's playing on the radio, I'm singing along to or like at work, I'm always just, you know, at my day job, I'm always just singing along to like anything that's playing, no matter like what station they're on. And so many people have told me they're like, I feel like, you know, like every song that exists or (laughs) which is obviously not true, but um, like they, they, they're always saying like, you just know so much music. And I think that's part of our job, you know, like as songwriters, like we need to, you know, we need to know like everything that's popular and not in stuff that's not popular too. So we can, you know, mix the unpopular with the popular for what becomes the new popular, you know, like I think part of being a songwriter is having an eclectic taste because you just need to be able to like you said, pull from different things um, to create something completely new every time. And I think that that's a part that like isn't talked about as much, like how much background research there is to like being good at writing songs. Cause it's not just like, you know, and it's not even so much like, oh, like I need the inspiration that strikes me. Like part of being inspired is like listening to other music and like, like kind of like half ripping people off, like not ripping people off, but like, you know what I mean? Where it's like, absolutely. Like, like, um, what is that quote about like every good artist like steals? Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. cause you know, like you're not like, obviously you're not stealing full songs or like even like full melodies or anything like that. But like, oh, I like how this person, you know, did this weird chord change here. Like, I wonder if I could do something similar in this thing, you know, yeah. just It's how art is made. And I think um, it's something, it's so important to, 
to, like you said, do that background research and to listen to a lot of music. It's kind of like, you know, if you're a botanist, you're probably going to know a whole lot of plants, right? (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Like the same is true for anyone in music. If you're a writer, listening to music becomes part of your job, which has been a really interesting like thing for me recently because it used to be like music was purely for entertainment. And now sometimes I'm just like, we're going to not listen to music anymore. <laughs> um, it's not, not that it's not relaxing because it still is in a lot of ways, but it has new meaning to it. Um, but something that I, I mean, maybe that's, we can come back to that conversation. No, um, I mean, no, that's super actually really interesting to me because I was just, um, I feel like I'm just going to out songwriters everywhere when I say this, but I was talking to my therapist and, <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, I feel like mental illness just comes with being an artist, but, um, I was talking to my therapist about kind of like coping mechanisms for like anxiety and stuff and growing up listening to music was always, you know, one of my coping mechanisms for like any time I felt like overly stressed or like anxious or anything. And I feel like recently, just within the past couple of years, music doesn't, it doesn't do that for me as much as it used to. Cause I feel like I'm looking at it. Like every time I listen to music, I'm looking at it from a more critical perspective or also like I'm tying it to, you know, my career or, you know, my current projects and, you know, everything that I'm listening to is informing something I'm working on. And like, that's very much kind of where I'm seeing it now. And, you know, so when I put on like an album, I like love to love to death and like just you know, as a sense of relief, like it doesn't, it doesn't work the same for me the way it used to. Yeah. Or there albums or songs that I used to love before I had maybe the insight or experience mm-hmm. to really judge it. I listen to it now and it doesn't even come close to holding the same weight. Like there's a song that I loved in middle school. Like this song was Okay, expose yourself. What is it? I, but okay, I, I'm going to say maybe some negative things about it now. So I, I don't know if I want to say. Because <laughs> I, I don't know who's listening to this. Maybe. Sure. I, I doubt that anyone in this band would be listening, but maybe some some fans are. So I won't say. But now you know it's a band. <laughs> um, okay. And I love this song and I learned how to play on piano. And it was one of those songs that like – just kind of took over my middle school. Like this one girl like knew how to play it and then everyone wanted to play it on the piano. I don't know if mm-hmm. you had that experience, this, but like- You said very, it's a band, so this isn't like the cup song from Pitch Perfect. No, or, no, it's no. not like that or like love song or anything. It was, yeah, it was, yeah, it's yeah. a pretty decently obscure song. Okay. Um, it's just and, your middle school for some reason. Yeah, was, just my middle school. Like sure, nobody else okay. knew it, yeah. <laughs> um, And it- like, I still think the lyrics are beautiful, but I played it in the car a few weeks ago because my boyfriend and I were just talking about, like, you know, songs that we loved growing up. And I played it mm-hmm. and I was like, huh. <laughs> I, I just, it, so much of the production and even the writing or the performance and I could just, like, poke so many holes in it now. and yeah. And it was, like, a very... I don't know. It was a little disheartening because I wanted him to see what I saw Mm -hmm. in it. But, it, you know, that will literally never happen because of where we are now. Um, But it not just with that song, but other songs, too, have really taken on new meaning or have been... I don't know. Demoted might be a harsh word, but, but demoted <laughs> yeah. in my mind as to, you know, oh, what's what's a good song or what what do I like now? And um, it's very strange. It's very, yeah. very strange. No, I feel that. I also feel like on the opposite end of things, like some things I get new appreciation for, like some stuff that 
you know, everybody has their taste and things that they like, but I usually feel like now, like even if there's something I dislike, I can still look at it and be like, oh, I can see what this is doing right. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like everybody has like a few hit songs that they're like, I cannot stand this. Mm -hmm. Like this has been on the radio forever and I don't understand why everyone likes it, you know? But I think with most of those songs now, I can listen to it and be like, oh, I get it. I get what they're doing here. I get why this is working. It's not working for me, but I get why it's working. And that's fun. That's an interesting like development, you know, being able to be like, I hate this, but I understand (laughs) like why other people don't, you know? Absolutely. I think there's there's more nuance in my opinion now where I can um I think I like less music for sure. Like my the amount of music that I like has just shrunk. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm able to appreciate things that I never would have listened to before, like um certain genres or styles um that I can, I just understand in a completely different way. Yeah, I think it's funny. I feel like I've I feel like I've had the opposite experience. I feel like I used to be such like a like a this these are the genres. Actually, I'm, I don't know. I've always kind of liked <laughs> a lot of music, but like I used to be more I don't know. I used to stick with what I liked, you know, whereas mm-hmm. like now mm-hmm. I feel I when I get exposed to more stuff, I I don't know. I just like my liked songs on Spotify is just insane because I don't know. I just feel like most things that I listen to, I can find some sort of merit in, you know? So I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm kind of the opposite where I just, I just like too much music now. That's really like everything. Everything is, everything is. You can find the value in anything you listen to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny because it, it, you know how some people say that um, they're like, oh, like I love animals, but I don't like people. Mm. I'm like mm-hmm. very much like with like that with music. Like I feel like I used to be like as a kid, I was like, oh, I love people. I love everyone. And now I'm very much like, you know, I still like people, but you know, I'm definitely more like, you know, I have my close friends and that's kind of like more my vibe. I'm definitely more like closed off than I used to be. And with music, I was very much like, oh, I like these specific things. And like, they kind of like switched. Like now I'm a music person. I'm not a people person. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Weird, weird how that happens. I wonder if people who do other things, I'm I'm sure it must be true. Like, like if you grow up and you just love like science and maybe watching like Grey's Anatomy and then the minute you have to like work in it, does it take away some of the, um, the freedom or, or some of the ease, but maybe it gets you even more into it in some ways. Like whatever happens, um, I don't know if you like play sports professionally and you grow up and you just love it. Yeah. And then like once it becomes your job, does it either drive you even more into it and you just become um, kind of consumed by the world or does it I think probably both, like it adds some pressure Mm -hmm. to it. And then, you know, you can't relax to it. Like we were saying in the same way. I don't know if sports are ever like relaxing. I guess (laughs) maybe that's just me. Maybe some people find, find their competitive sports extremely relaxing. The only sport I, I, I love hockey. I'm obsessed with hockey, but every other sport, like I'm not even sure the rules of any of them. Um, (laughs) I used to go, I was, you know, I was in choir too. Of course we were all choir kids. Um, but, uh, I used to, you know, have to go to the homecoming game to like sing the national anthem Mm, and -hmm. I would go and I would sing the national anthem and then I would like sneak out the back and like leave. You're there just for the, just for the song. Just for the glory. (laughs) I didn't know. I did not want to stay for the game. I'd be like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom and then I was gone. (laughs) And then never show up again. Yeah. No, I'd be like, oh, I just started feeling kind of like lightheaded or something. And they were like, this is the fourth year that you've done that. (laughs) I was like, oh man. So weird. This happens every every time. <laughs> Must be a coincidence. Um, but I feel like I'm more of a snob. Like when it comes to like dislike, like I I guess with with songs, with songwriting, and like I don't know. Like every once in a while, I'll play a song and I'll be like, oh, that's not it. But I think I'm more of a snob when it comes to live music now than I used to mm. be. 
that's where my thing has changed. Because when I was in like middle school and high school, I went to like, all I spent money on was concert tickets. And I was always going to live shows. I have so many concert tickets, like bulletin boards full of like tickets from shows I went to. And I was just obsessed. Like that was my bread and butter. And I feel like I don't get as much out of live shows as I did before I started playing live because now like I feel like I'm like uber critical because I'll be like like why is she you know I can tell when they're like using super like track heavy stuff or like I can tell when people aren't singing live you know and I'm like you're not even dancing like why are you lip syncing right now like (laughs) you know what I mean or I'll be like you know or you know why why do you only have one guitarist when I can tell you have like three different guitar tracks going you know what I mean and I just get I just get I'm such a snob like all like I don't know it's bad (laughs) I when I I go to shows that's the way that's the way I think that's the thing that like um like music has like having a career in music has, mm-hmm. I guess, maybe like impacted the most is like, I can't just go to a concert enjoy and enjoy it because I'm always, you know, I'm always thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. I I feel you. I never went to a lot of shows when I was younger. I always just found mm-hmm. them way too loud. Like oh, okay. something just about the noise always bothered me. Like as a – the very youngest I could remember was like just Mm -hmm. me covering my ears um like even in like the cafeteria at school like I've always been very sensitive to noise so I never gravitated towards concerts or live shows and even now like I'd say I see more than I ever have because I'm mostly going to friends shows (laughs) right but there's there's totally this element with live shows where you're like I don't know. At least for me, it's like, and, and I don't perform. I'm just a writer. But if I feel like I could do it, I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> if I could be up there <laughs> doing what you're doing right now, I'm not impressed. <laughs> I know. I'm. I'm a hundred percent on the same page. Like, I guess. I guess that's kind of like, you know, this. You know, this. When you were talking to me about this podcast, so much about like up and coming songwriters, up and coming like people who are like who haven't made it yet, but are kind of like on the way there Mm -hmm. kind of vibe. And I feel that way so much, like sometimes like when it comes to shows, I guess, because I'll watch, you know, like I'll go to like see a big band that I really like and then I'll see like the openers and like some of them really wow me. And I'm like, you're incredible. I'm so happy you're there. Like you're killing it, girlfriend. Like this is awesome. But then other times I'll see openers and I'm like, how did how are you on this tour and like I am not <laughs> on this tour or like no none of my friends are on this tour yeah because yeah. I'm like because I'm like you're standing there in sweatpants nailing like three notes, three notes. <laughs> like you gotta like you, you you get like what is going on here yeah but but yeah I think you know it's those situations where like it's always like they're always like two openers for a show and one yeah. of them is always and they're always vastly different like one of them is always this person like in two years this person is gonna be headlining you know and then the other one it's just like yeah like who did you might get never here? see you again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly oh that's so real I went to a concert with my brother like a month ago maybe mm-hmm. and it was exactly like that. I mean, one of the openers was actually already decently big and he was friends with the main act. So it made mm-hmm. sense. I was like, okay, right. you make sense here. It's a good show, like very natural, very um, very good performer. Like he could probably sell out maybe a similar venue, maybe a little sure. smaller, like not as big, but definitely on par with, right. with the main act. And then the opener before him, I was like... First of all, you look like you're 10. <laughs> he so, maybe is. Right? I was like, that's crazy. Whose son is he? Like, who's, whose kid are you? Like, how did you yeah. get out of school to do this? Like, I'm mind blown. <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, like, good for him. Like, anyone who's able to open like that, like, you have to – There, there is a certain level of, you know, success and, and right. um, effort and energy that it takes to get there. So not to completely shit on these people, but um, – 
it, it is no, interesting course. to me also now to like look at, back on the concerts that I did go to when I was little and mm-hmm. see who's still around. It, it's interesting because it's like, does your career continue to be in the spotlight? Because I do know like, you know, a lot of openers, maybe they just start writing. Maybe they get into sync. Maybe they stop right. touring for whatever reason or they're touring in a different lane. Like it's not for these big artists. Um, I think openers and people that have those experiences can go in so many different directions from there. Well, I think in general like, in music, yeah. like nothing is like, there's no linear path to your career no as a musician path. at all. Yeah. Just because you're you opening know? for Justin Bieber doesn't mean you're, <laughs> you're going yeah, to end up like yeah. him in 10, 20 years. I don't know, maybe not 20 years, but yeah. yeah. I mean, it's so, it is crazy because I feel like there are so many opportunities you know but at the same time like it's so hard to know like you know how to use them all best at the time or like if you know one thing is going to lead towards something else and you know what that's going to look like or whether that's something that you want I mean me personally um you know I've been I've been kind of doing the writing for other people thing and artist thing and I recently came like got to a point where I realized, you know, the artist thing really isn't my vibe. Like I I put out music originally with my co-writer and I was releasing it like under myself just because, you know, we were in the middle of the pandemic. We, we both weren't like, I had just kind of gotten out of school and we both went to school for music. That's how we met. And um, Drew Lewis, he's super talented, by the way, very awesome producer and writer. Um, and uh, we work together a lot. But um, so, yeah, so we were quarantining together because we both live um, in Highland Park and we were like all through the pandemic, just like in a quarantine bubble, just writing and doing stuff. And you're generating all of this material. And we originally intended to like pitch it or we wanted, you know, it to go to artists, you know, other than us. But yeah, I mean, we were in the middle, like no one was releasing music really, except for big artists, I feel like during the pandemic or everybody was kind of, you know, there was that, you know, six to eight months where, you know, what, what is going on? You know, nobody really knows. It's impossible to plan for anything, especially releases like in that kind of like turmoil, you know, so I guess, you know, we were like, well, there's no way that we're going to find anyone else to release our stuff. And people, you know, it's always like you tell people you're a writer and people want to be like, oh, what have you written? Right. Mm -hmm. Or like, where can I listen to your music? And, you know, we, you know, we were doing all of this writing, but we had no one to listen to it. So, um, or like no, no way for them to, unless we wanted to send them like a bad voice memo or like email them demos, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So, um, I started my artist project as a way for us to kind of like get some of that material out and be like, this is what we're making. This is what we're creating. And then, you know, I kind of got like, yeah, I got like, I, it was fun, you know, because you can do all, you know, I, I found like the artistic part of like putting together like a project so fun and um, trying to find like, like ways to tie different songs together and like how to do that in like the artwork and all of that kind of stuff was really fun for me. And I kind of like went down the rabbit hole and then I started playing then I released one EP that I did a release show for. And then I started playing live a lot. And I was like, oh, this is fun too. And I just kind of like got like, I don't know, I was like a kid in a candy store for a moment. But then <laughs> I think when the dust settled and like the thing that I really hated was all of the stuff that like is really important as an artist, which I hated the marketing. I'm not a TikTok girl. I'm not social media is like not my favorite thing. Like all of that stuff, like trying to promote myself to get and maintain an audience. That was like not the vibe for me. I so much more loved the creation and the artistic, like, like that was more of a pull for me 
was um, actually creating the art, you know. And so once I kind of realized like that was the disconnect and that was why I was, I guess, like not feeling super satisfied by it, you know, because I would I would I would write these songs for other people. And Drew has an artist project as well. And his is his his is incredible. Like anybody who sees his live show is just like this is bananas and a half. Um, But I got so much more satisfaction from like writing for him and then watching him do all of that stuff and like really and like doing the most when it comes to visuals and putting together a show and like as much as like I love performing I think it's fun and like you know I think I think I put on a good show but it's just not so much like I don't live and breathe for that the way I do for like watching somebody else like perform what I've written or kind of like watch somebody else bring that to life, like from like doing the parts of it that like I feel like aren't necessarily my forte as much. That's so much more fulfilling for me. And I think, you know, the studio is very much where I belong and where I get the most, where I feel like my purpose, you know, kind of shines through the most. And so recently I've kind of been rethinking and like, pivoting and being like I want to focus on just writing for other people because realistically like where do I want to be in five years and it's you know that's what I want to be doing like not like touring or doing my own kind of stuff which I think is like kind of speaks to like why I feel the way I do about like live shows versus music like Mm -hmm. like I just love music more and more the more I listen to it and more the more I write it but then like the more like live shows I do the less I like watching them you know what I mean I feel like all of that kind of like ties together in a weird way. Yeah, totally. I I had a similar realization in a different way. Like mm-hmm. I did the artist thing just because that's what everyone around me was doing. Right, 100%. And like I knew you could just be a writer, but it didn't seem real for some reason. Where it was well, like, it you- doesn't. It doesn't feel real because I feel like everybody – I feel like, yeah. I f- Everyone I feel just like assumes you, like, I have an artist project. Do. And that's mm-hmm. what, oh, well, like, eventually you'll want to do that, right? Do you get that a lot? Like, I always get like, oh, well, someday. You know, when I tell yeah, them well, I don't, it's like, you, someday you will. It's yeah, like, no. you'd, be, you'd be surprised how many, like, how much pushback I've gotten just, like, telling people that, like, I don't want to do it anymore. Mm. Like, I'll be like, oh, yeah, actually, I think I'm going to, like, just write for other people for a minute, you know, and you know, just releasing and, you know, the TikTok debacle. Like, I don't know. That's just not really for me right now. So I think I'm just going to take a little break and like refocus for a second. And people are like, you're not going to release anymore. Like, you're not going to play shows. Like, why are you doing that? Like, and I feel, I feel like there's, there's a lot of like, I think it has so much to do with how people view the music industry, Mm -hmm. you know? And I mean, we could talk for hours about how, like, people don't care about songwriters enough. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. But I have it is very much hours. like, like, when you go home and talk to your non-music family about things, like, you know, if you're a successful artist, they're going to feel a different type of way than they will if you're a successful songwriter. You know what I mean? Like, if you're, if you're bringing in bank either way, like, they're going to be, like, here for it. But, you, you know, like, there's a different... There's it like when I guess when people like idolize musicians, it's the it's the person on stage, you know, and it's the person like on the album cover, like that. It's the front man, like that's the person that like we are kind of raised to idolize, like that like figure. Absolutely. I I grew up in Michigan and uh, my parents moved to the Bay Area when I went to college. So mm-hmm. I don't go home there anymore. I go to the Bay Area. And last year I was, um, I I just took a trip back to Michigan to like say hi to some friends and see people. And I was, you know, showing people the songs I was writing and like, it was, it was actually, it was a friend's friend. So it wasn't like my immediate friends who kind of like got it because I've been doing this for so long, but it was one of my friend's friends. And she was just like so appalled that like I wasn't going to be an artist. She just like couldn't understand it. And I had this demo that I showed her and I was singing and she was like, but you're such a good singer. How can you not want to be an artist? And I was like, that's not really the point. Like the point is the song and like 
you know, I have to be able to sing to a certain degree to like, you know, show my melodies. I don't think I'm the best singer in the world. I'm not by any stretch of the imagination, but like, I'm also not terrible either. Um, But it was just such a moment that stuck with me because I was like, I don't know. And because I was an artist in the past, whenever people like encourage me to do it, I'm like, oh, maybe I should. And then I really have to take a step back and be like, "Uh, no, like not to say that maybe I, I don't know. I don't want to like put it off the table completely, but it's just not what I'm doing right now. And there's a completely different set of skills that you need to be, to be an artist. Like you said, like that marketing and that presence and that, you know, outward facing, um, whether it's like confidence or gravitas or I don't know, there's something Mm -hmm. that like artists have that is a skill in and of itself that allows them to be, you know, so, um, public in their performances and in their storytelling and, you know, everything that they do is, is fantastic, but it's different from songwriting. It's different from the skill of songwriting. And, um, I've certainly had to separate those and allow myself in a lot of ways to just be a writer and um, to focus on the craft of songwriting and the craft of storytelling in this way. And also, you know, being able to tell other people's stories and not get roped back into this <laughs> this world of being an artist because people just can't believe it sometimes when they're just like, you're just giving up. And I'm like, I'm not giving up. Like, I'm just like, yeah, shifting like, my focus here. Well, like, I'm not giving up on too, anything. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the other thing too is so many people don't recognize how much goes into a record, you know, mm-hmm. from like just like if you if you break it down into parts, like from the like the parts that the producer works on, the parts that the like um artist works on, songwriter works on, like business people, whether like or not the artist is like doing it themselves or whether they have a team, but like geez, like you go into one song and you know there's there's the track and all of the instrumentation like and maybe that's one producer maybe that's a few maybe there's like somebody who made the beat and then you know there are um uh guns for hire who did instrumentation or maybe it's all midi or maybe you know there's a vocal producer that specifically came in just to do vocals and that's already maybe like five people or something crazy like that and then um, then you have writers and then you have the artist themselves and then you have like then there's a video and that like there's just so much that goes into a song and I feel like people don't get that because they only see the finished product right and they don't see all of like the little things that go into it and I mean a lot of like there are a lot of artists that can write right but then there are a lot of artists that you know it's not their favorite thing you know where they're much better at you know, that gravitas and, or like, you know, I was talking about this with some friends, but they were saying like, as an artist, like there's the studio and the writing, the like music video and the visuals and there's live performance. And those are like, kind of like the three big things, I guess. And like every artist kind of like ranks them differently. Like everybody, every artist usually like has one that they like the most, one that they also really like, and then one that's like kind of the bane of their existence. And that's like <laughs> kind of how it is, right? And when I was an artist, I very much rated it like studio was my favorite, um, performing was my second, and then like music video and all the visual stuff. I was like, geez, like someone else do this and pretend to be me because I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's so much that goes into it. And being a songwriter is essentially like helping the artist put together like that one piece of the puzzle. Like all like there's so many artists that rank studio and songwriting is like their least favorite part. Like they want to have the songs to sing. They want to have the content, but like that's not like, and they want to tell their story, but like actually telling their story is something that's really difficult for them, you know? And being a songwriter is essentially like giving them the vehicle to tell their story. And like we are essentially providing that service to them like it's kind of like you know we're um we're like contractors you know like we were assigned to build a kitchen and they're going to tell us exactly what they want that kitchen to look like and we're in charge of making that kitchen 
Yeah. You know, and I always tell a song like um, artists when I work with them as a songwriter, like if you want me to like, again, like this is your kitchen, you know? So like, you know, if I'm putting in tile that you don't like, you know, you need to tell me because, you know, if you were, if I was installing that in your house and you hired me to do that and your kitchen is not the way, like I finished it and it's a really nice kitchen, but it's not what you wanted at all. Like, no, you shouldn't pay me for that. And it's the same thing as a songwriter. Like our job is to write the song like that tells their story the best. And we need, and we cater to that. So, Absolutely. and that's a very specific skill set that I feel like people don't understand how much goes into that because there's the having creativity and your own depth of experience to draw into like actually do the writing and there's being able to you know write somebody else's experience and make it feel genuine to them and that's a really specific skill set so specific and it's it's such a it's a craft in and of itself and the way you're going to get the best product is to get the best people who are the best at each individual thing. Like, you know, if I was just thinking like, okay, a company like Amazon, right? The only person people see is Jeff Bezos, right? And he's the Mm -hmm. face and the head of it. And everyone um, ties Amazon, the company to Jeff Bezos. And however, there are so many people that work at this company that do very specific jobs. Jeff Bezos is one, like he is the head and the figure of it. But I mean, there are marketing people and coders and um, logistics people and and people who, you know, drive the vans to drop off packages. And it's like this huge web of people who all have very specific skill sets. And, you know, if you're hiring at Amazon, you're going to try to find the best person for the job. (laughs) And the same is true in so many ways for the music industry, right? Like you have these these figures and these heads that we attach to the music, right? Like Mm -hmm. the artist, they are the face of the operation, but there are so many people behind the scenes. And I think it's, it's such a a missed opportunity when artists maybe try to like overextend themselves or um, don't bring in the people who are best for the jobs and think that they have to do it all themselves because it's certainly, certainly not the case because there are so many amazing songwriters, so many amazing producers, so many amazing, um, you know, business people or engineers or whatever you need. And to allow people to shine where their strengths are is, is really, really important. And, you know, the entire business of Amazon would collapse if it was just Jeff Bezos. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's a that's an that's such a good metaphor for it. I think too, like when I I think having like I think there's something to be said for it's nice to have a group of people collaborate and work on something too, because then there's like that more that many more people that are also like invested in it in it. You know what I mean? Like if you like, I mean, there is something like definitely fulfilling about doing everything yourself and like getting something to to the finish line on your own. Like that is, that is definitely satisfying and is like, you know, that's awesome. Like it's super cool when people can do that, but it's also really cool when you collaborate and work with a group of people to make something come to fruition, because then that's something that you all share and you like, especially with something as vulnerable as songwriting, like you all had to have like a level of connection with each other to make something like emotionally vulnerable together. And then it's like, you know, this thing that you created that you're now like really excited to like show other people, like we made this song and like we did this together and, you know, we really hope everyone else that listens to it loves it as much as we do, you know? And I think there's like, that's something really special that like you get with your collaborator collaborators that you don't get with other people. Absolutely. And I think I write my best songs with other people because oh, when yeah. I get stuck, other people jump in and maybe, 
like they pushed me to think of other ideas. If I come up with something and they're like, I think it could be better. Then we think of something better and you just have, there are more ideas. There are. Well, the best idea was always like the worst idea first. Mm. You know, it was always like, cause I feel like in sessions, I'm always saying like this, but not this, Mm -hmm. like this sentiment, but like not these words. Not said this way. I say that all the time. Yeah. Um. Okay, we've almost been talking for an hour. So (laughs) I know it's crazy. Went by so fast. Um, I feel like we still have so many things to cover. But um, why don't you tell us what's on the horizon for you with your writing? Um, gosh, I mean, I hope a lot. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, I I'm. I feel like I'm very much at that place where like there's a lot of irons in the fire and I'm just kind of waiting around to see, you know, what ends up sticking. Um, I've been working on some like K-pop stuff recently. Um, my first, I had my first big cut this last year. Um, Congrats. With, thank you, with uh, Yena. Uh, and she was, um, she's doing a solo project now, um, but she was in a girl group called um I zone. So that was really cool and really exciting. And uh, I'm doing some more stuff um, kind of in the K-pop realm right now. Uh, and then also, yeah, I'm working with like a lot of like artists that I'm friends with and like um, people that like I just feel really strongly about like as creatives. So that's fun. Um, Saranda is somebody who comes to mind. She's um. She's like an uh, up-and-coming pop girly. And uh, oh gosh, she just like, first of all, she's just flipping gorgeous. And she has, she always comes into the studio with so many like fun creative ideas and all of like, she's very much like visuals are like her bread and butter and like all of her music videos are like divine. Um, but yeah, so that's super fun. And like, I'm always super excited to see, like, we will write like a song and I'm always so excited to see like creatively what she ends up doing with it visually. Cause it's always like a million years, but like <laughs> a million times better than anything I would have come up with. But, um, <laughs> so yeah, just working with, yeah, just like friends and, you know, um, this year I really just want to be in the studio, like every day, you know, with somebody Mm -hmm. new and working on new stuff and yeah, just kind of pivoting into like working with more people and like writing more songs and just, you know, seeing where stuff goes. Awesome. So where can people listen to your music and connect with you? Um, so the best place, um, to connect with me is Instagram and it is, um, music by JL is my Instagram and my name is spelled J-A-Y-E-L-L-E. So it's music by JL. And yeah, I have like a playlist on Spotify of like songs I've written and, you know, my artist material and stuff is on there too, if you want to check that out. Um, but yeah, feel free to like reach out to me. Like I'm always down to do sessions with new people. And yeah, I mean, I, I write in a ton of different genres and yeah, I just love to create. So I'm down for whoever wants to do that. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Wow. Well, I'm pretty sure Dale and I could have talked for many more hours, but we got through so much on this episode. We talked about how our relationship to music has changed since we've been working in the industry, how we analyze things like live performances now, and how sometimes the public doesn't quite get what it means to be a songwriter, and so, so much more. So let me know what you thought about this conversation on Instagram. Follow the podcast at songwriters underscore unblocked, and let's chat about this episode. Also, follow JL at Music by JL to stay updated on her journey as a songwriter. This is Songwriters Unblocked. Thanks for listening.